Welcome back, everyone, for this week's Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Show. I am one of your hosts, Mike Mills, and I am joined, as always, by the great Brian Lass, the man behind Arcadian Vanguard. Brian, how you doing this week, man? Aloha, Mike. Great to be here with you once again. You know, I look forward so much to these times where we get to sit down and discuss not just this episode, but just Mid-South Wrestling overall. When you go through it week after week, you realize just how special a program this was. Yeah, I agree with you. And you and I oftentimes, you know, to pull back the curtain, so to say, we get a little sidetracked before we even start recording. And we generally go into various discussions about points in this promotion, whether it's from 82, 83, 84, 85. And just the level of excitement that I always have. uh, It's just off the charts, man. It just makes me reminisce about the good times. And I think we got another good one here from the February 4th, 1982 edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television. We do, and of course, like just about every week now since those introductory shows we did, it's Bill Watts and Boyd Pierce. Bill Watts still introduces the special guest commentator, but he talks for at least 97% (laughs) of the show. And on this show, as you'll see, the two interviews that Boyd gets, Watts interferes in. I mean, it makes sense. I'm not saying like it was anything egregious that he was hurting the show, but he's involved in everything, and he is so good. Yes, especially the one that I'm thinking of off the top that's early on where uh, Bill comes in and he's like, excuse me, excuse me, uh, uh, wait, (laughs) I don't want to give it away because we're going to get to it in a second, but I do agree with you. It's funny. He's the guest commentator where he gets 98.9% of the commentary duties. And, and there you have it. Uh, <laughs> the, the, uh, jo- the, the perks of running your own federation at that point in time, right? I got to give him credit, though. He is dressing a little nicer than he did on previous weeks. And, you know, the first week that we watched with him, he had a little bit of crazy hair and he was wearing just crazy, not a crazy outfit, but nothing professional. And now he's like in a blazer, collared shirt. Boyd still looks like a maniac, like a psychedelic floral <laughs> shop. But, <laughs> but Watts looks very professional. Hey, Boyd is not shining this week, which is, uh, which is, uh, I guess, a good thing. I don't know. He's he's at silver and gold this week. He's flowery though, so to, you know, he's got he's got a little flower gimmick going there. But anyway, as we jump into this show, Brian, I know I uh, think we had kind of been on the same wavelength. There's some uh, an important announcement at the beginning of this show, isn't there? There is. There's something said by Boyd Pierce, and Bill Watts follows up on it that is historically important. So let's listen to this now. We'll talk about it on the other side. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we want to welcome along with our viewers from Louisiana, Mississippi, and California, all our great fans in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and the Little Rock, Arkansas areas. Welcome to Mid-South Wrestling. This week, a tremendous card. It'll be headlined by Mid-South Tag Team Title Match as the Junkyard Dog and Mike George defend those coveted belts against the challenge of the former champions, Offa and Sika, the Samoan Warriors. A lot of great action coming up. Our guest commentator, the one and only Cowboy Bill Watts. Well, thank you, Board. It, it is exciting, and it's great to see that uh, the demand for Mid-South Wrestling is expanding into several new television areas. And, of course, Tulsa, Oklahoma, I live in Bigsby, so that's my hometown. I'm excited about that. But a great card by matchmaker Grizzly Smith, Mr. Olympia, the new Mississippi champion against number one, Paul Orndorff. So a lot of great things in store. Let's go right to the ring. Well, there it is. I mean, they say how they're in the regular towns like New Orleans. They even mentioned California, and a lot of people probably don't realize that. And I don't even know all the details, but I know they aired in San Diego and maybe even Los Angeles. But at this time, in 1982, Mid-South Wrestling, for some reason, was airing in California. I'll see what we can find out about that. But the big announcement is Tulsa and Little Rock. And what that means, Bill Watts says, that's right near where I live in Bixby, Oklahoma. Tulsa, Oklahoma, Little Rock, Arkansas signifies the end of Leroy McGurk and his tri-state wrestling. Of course, Bill Watts had been someone who worked with Leroy McGurk as a wrestler, later went in and got a piece of the office, was the booker, and they had a falling out. Bill Watts took the southern end, which was Louisiana, which was Mississippi, and then Leroy McGurk kept Oklahoma, and he ran places like Little Rock, Arkansas. But by this point, Leroy McGurk is no longer promoting. He had finally shut down, and Bill Watts now had the United Territory that would be Mid-South Wrestling, which is Louisiana, Mississippi, Oklahoma, and of course, Arkansas, eventually parts of Texas, because you have the Houston relationship. But this is the beginning of all the wrestlers having miserable car rides. 
Yeah, I don't think people realize like the state of Louisiana is not huge, but from New Orleans to Shreveport is about a five hour drive. I mean, you're roughly talking about five hours there. So if you don't stop, you can maybe make it in four, four and a half. So imagine and, and I've heard, you know, you and Jim Cornette talk about it on on you guys show. So imagine now needing to also drive from there to Tulsa. Well, the only way to get there is to go through Dallas. So that's another two and a half hours driving west and probably another four hours, five hours driving north. So it's it's hard to explain to someone who's never driven those roads just how far it is. I mean, you can pull out a map and see it, but yes, the entire, uh, <laughs> the guys on the card were, were probably excited while at the same time, wow, the cowboy already drives a hard bargain, but man, we're going to be covering more roads now. At the same time, I'm joking. I know they weren't complaining uh, because uh, you can make some money in this territory, as we all know. So yes, the uh, territory grew and the roads uh, even grew longer. There is an interesting little what if, and uh, I don't think we can answer it today because you'd have to really go into it, but what if Watts hadn't taken Oklahoma and Arkansas? What if he had just stayed in Louisiana and in Mississippi, would that have had any effect on the talent that would have come in? Obviously, he wouldn't have made as much money only because he wouldn't have been running a lot of those cities that he made really good money in, like Tulsa. And would it have changed the trajectory of Mid-South Wrestling? It's just a little fun thing to think about. That's a good question. I don't know what kind of long term. I don't know, because you got to believe. I mean, because he tried at some point, you know, just a few years later, he goes national with the UWF. So, um. Maybe it changes it a little, but I still think the trajectory is he's he's still going to do what he does with the UWF later on. I don't know. That's a that's a good what if, though. I mean, you know, it's one of those things we'll never know. We will never know. And uh, what we will know is that the next match is Bob Orton Jr. versus Ken Woodby. This is the debut of Ken Woodby on the program, Mike, and I'm sure he impressed you. Uh, barn burner here, right? <laughs> they tore the house down. Six-star match on the Meltzer scale. No. Uh yeah, I really didn't have much from this. There was there was some there was some audio at the beginning of this that I that I thought was pretty good or or good. What did you think there? Yeah, let's play that and uh, we'll talk about it on the other side because, like you said, there isn't much to say about this match. Bob Orton really just kicks the shit out of Ken Woodby. Uh, referee is Jack Howe, but let's hear this audio right now. Another great card tonight that Grizzly Smith has given those at home with a title bout. You know, there's a lot of promoters in the country that won't put title matches on television. Grizzly said that he believes in showing the people at home the finest wrestling in the world. And I think that's the reason for the people coming out in record crowds to the arenas. Junkyard Dog just headlined one of the biggest cards ever in Houston, Texas. Show that he is growing constantly in demand all around the country. Now I have Dusty Rhodes, and Dusty Rhodes is... We'll be here in two weeks, Boyd Pierce, right here on Mid-South Wrestling. It is so interesting. Just everything's in play. What what exactly was Watts doing? You know, I don't know too much about why they're on TV in California. There's the announcement on TV last week that they've signed Dusty Rhodes to a booking agreement so that they're going to be booking Dusty Rhodes everywhere he appears. Of course, we know he's now taken over Leroy McGurk's towns. And the relationship with Houston is just now getting going, and the JYD is already a draw in Houston. So Watts had a lot of things happening at this time. He had a lot of things happening, and the the thing about that soundbite, too, that really caught my attention is as I began to watch more wrestling you know, going into the mid eighties, he says something here that I thought was very, very true. He talked about putting title matches on TV. I had very little knowledge of other wrestling at that point. The only thing I knew was from the PWIs and I didn't really get to, I didn't watch anything else other than world class uh, towards the end of 82. But his point about, you know, putting title matches on TV I always took that as, yeah, he is one up in the rest of it, because even in once I got to the mid 80s, 84, 85, and I started getting to see a little bit of WWF, I always remember it just being just like, you know, squash matches, nothing, you know, nothing, never title matches, at least to my recollection. You can tell me if I'm wrong there, because I know you're you're much more well versed in WWF during that time than I was. But that was the one thing that caught me from this right here. In the WWF back then, you never saw the champion on TV, other than doing a promo. You never saw him. Like, when Hulk Hogan showed up, it was a big deal, even though he was wrestling Johnny Rods. The fact that Hulk Hogan was going to be on TV was a big deal. 
And then the other thing is that you would only get main event matches in batches twice a year or so. And you never really knew what it was until you realized, oh, it's sweeps week. So that's why all of a sudden it's like, next week, uh, Jake Roberts versus Virgil. Like, what? <laughs> you know, like, why are we getting a match that we actually want to see <laughs> next week? What makes this special? So, you know, that was really the syndicated WWF shows where, you know, in the spring, you would get like four weeks in a row of somewhat competitive main events with usually a couple of the bigger stars. And then after that, it was just squash matches. So imagine being a kid growing up in 82 and seeing title matches all i mean i literally mid-south i saw title matches all the time i mean once we got to this point it was there was always title matches it felt like not every week but it always felt like they were putting a title on the line we didn't we saw some non-title stuff but it, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't excessive i mean they he's right here watch is right on the money they put they put title matches on tv for the belt um uh, before i can remember seeing it done anywhere else well, we'll talk a little bit more about uh, the idea of title matches on Mid-South TV later on in the show, but this wasn't one of them. Bob Orton Jr. beats Ken Woodby with a pile driver. Uh, and then I guess I should point out, too, that some of the regulars we've gotten used to at ringside are there. There's the old lady sitting in the center. She wears glasses. I don't know how to describe her better than that. She looks rather old. Uh, and then the guy with the cowboy hat, the guy with the white cowboy hat, the old man in the front row, he does not have his cowboy hat this week expressionless Larry is what I've started to call him in my mind for some strange reason. He, he just kind of sits there with, with his cigarette. Sometimes you see him, uh, otherwise he's not really making, he doesn't really pop on anything. Do you notice that Brian? He kind of just stares. He just stares. Uh, Larry isn't the name I would think of. I was thinking of some kind of like hardcore Cajun thing. <laughs> like, I don't know. Maybe so. I mean, this is Shreveport. So let me tell you, when you're from Louisiana, there's a big difference between northern Louisiana and southern Louisiana. I just want to put that out there to oh, okay. people listening. Yeah, it, it really is. It's uh, it's hard to explain unless you're from Louisiana. Uh, people from south Louisiana look at people from Shreveport like they're Texans. Not to insult any Texans out there. I'm just kind of putting it out no, there. No, and this guy, uh, I think, looks at himself like a Texan. I picture his name being Buck or Hank. There you go. Something. It, it fits what I'm trying to say. That's right. With the cowboy hat. Buck or Hank. Sounds good. But who knew that Bob Orton versus Ken Woodby would spur such a wonderful discussion here. But let's move on with the show. This is big. Now, this is one of the big angles, maybe the biggest thing we've seen so far in the, what, eight weeks now we've been watching Mid-South Wrestling, Mike. And it all begins with Ernie Ladd at the desk talking to Boyd, yelling at Boyd. Who, uh, who I must admit is a bit feisty and, and you know, gives it back, which is a lot of uh, a lot of that is Watts's philosophy that the announcers need credibility. The guys can't just insult the announcers or put down the announcers. If you watch a lot of Mid-South Wrestling, I guarantee you will not see guys saying, hey, dummy to the announcer too often because Watts didn't allow that. But uh, let's go to this. And is there anything more we should explain before we play it? What do you think, Mike? The only thing I would say is um – is, is Ernie Ladd is involved here, and it starts off with Ernie Ladd and Boyd Pierce, and I think the rest is kind of self-explanatory. Let's play this right now. Yes, I demand time. I take time. Let me tell you something. You had Dirty Rose that you're talking about what a big contract he had. I noticed you never had me. I made more money than any athlete around the country. I had one of the biggest contracts ever in football. I just negotiated the most fantastic contracts here from, from my Samoans right here on television. And you're always talking about Dustros when they talk about the big money makers. They talk about Ernie Ladd. When they talk about people doing super fantastic things, you're talking about Ernie Ladd. So why can you, you, why can you bring me out here and say, Mr. Ladd, what type of deals are you working out for the Samoans? I'm making plenty of money. I'm doing a fantastic job for myself and a lot of other people. And I'm taking the Samoans right along with it. So what are you trying to tell me? As far as this cowboy is doing here, he has no business even being out there. That's you all always right. Wait just a minute. Wait just a minute. He's my guest commentator. And when you say you, referring to me, I had nothing to do with the signing of that exclusive contract with Dusty Rhodes. I was just here as the host of this program along with matchmaker Grizzly Smith. I do not know the financial terms he made with Mid-South. I do not know the financial terms that you have. And I do readily recognize that you're a top star in demand all over the United States. So you'll, have to, talk, you'll have to talk to matchmaker Grizzly Smith. Boy, I, boy, let me put in this one second. Number one, I thought you, you were signed know. for a title match for the I'm Samoa. signed for a title match. I just want to ask you one question. Is Skandar Akbar a part of your entourage now? No, why? Then what's he doing in the ring with the Samoans and representing them? Wait a minute. No 
nobody represents the Samoans but me. Nobody. And this event is tag team action for the Mid-South tag team titles. This event is for one fall or remaining television time. In the red corner at a total combined weight of 608 pounds. I don't know what's going on either. Since you're asking, lad, you have embarrassed the Samoans. You have mistreated them. You caused them to lose a championship back in Jackson, Mississippi in October. You caused them to get suspended in Lake Charles. And to top it off, you big dummy, right here, the dream match on television, they were beaten in the middle of the ring. They are embarrassed. The Samoans are embarrassed. And I've got another little item, you big dummy. Listen and listen good. I am soul. I said soul, and that means only one. Business manager, financial advisor of the Samoans. I have the contract. I have nobody's out business but me. This is your slammed him. That big unknown, whoever he is, he's huge. Whoa! He came down across Ernie Ladd's knees. They added both legs over the bottom cables around the ring. And the big man, whoever he is, came down on both of Ernie Ladd's knees. And Ernie Ladd is writhing in pain. Well, Bill, you and I both grunted the simultaneous same time. This man, somewhere between three and 400 pounds, crashing right. down on Ernie. I've seen a lot of injuries to the knees in the football field. Ernie Ladd's had a few of them himself. And Boyd Pierce, I'd say from the way he's grimacing and writhing, that he's got a serious problem there. We, we better get to the bottom of this. And we'll try to find out something right now. We'll be right back after this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. And there it is, a big angle. Ernie Ladd and the Samoans break up. They've been together for a while. Skandar Akbar, now the Samoans manager, Ernie attacks Akbar and then goes at it with the Samoans and is holding his own. And as you can probably hear there, the audience got behind him. Like it was like instant babyface turn. But the one man gang, that's the man that they're not identifying, the giant man who didn't have his mohawk yet, still had his long hair, had just come in from ICW where he had been Crusher Broomfield. Which he had CB still on his tights, if you noticed. He probably didn't have the one-man gang name yet. <laughs> right. <laughs> but he arrives, uh, another ICW veteran like Bob Roop and Bob Borton Jr., and they immediately do the injury angle to Ernie Ladd. And the other interesting thing, just a little detail, you know, we've seen attacks and brawls on TV, Mike, in the last several weeks. Ernie Ladd's been a heel. Even though he attacked the other heels and that kind of makes him a babyface right away, no baby faces came out to save him. No baby faces came out to save him. You're going to hear something from Watts in a second as well, where uh, Watts kind of, not, not that he talks about no baby faces coming out to save him, but Watts is still trying to process what happens. Uh, we'll talk about that shortly. But this was, uh, this was one of those moments, Brian, where I remember it. I remember seeing it when it happened. And I remember thinking to myself, this is kind of like one of those holy crap moments in Mid-South history because one man gang comes in. He, we don't know him as one man gang at this point. He's got the long hair and he comes from off the top rope, which was a DQ in Mid-South at the time, splashes onto Lad's knee. You know, Lad sells the, the heck out of it. It's just a, a moment where, I mean, you heard Watts and Boyd Literally, I know they didn't like 
make sure that they did that at the same time. That was like an organic reaction when Gang came off the top rope on Ernie Ladd. They both screamed, oh, you know, like you, you, you felt it. And it was just a big moment, man, because, again, you said it too. Here it was, a heel being turned on, no baby faces to come out. So it kind of leaves you going, man, what the heck did I just see? And it leaves some mystery there. It's something to think about as we move forward. I like the idea, too, that here's Ladd at the desk. He's mad about a number of things, mostly about the contract that Dusty Rhodes purportedly has. And they alert him that the Samoans are in the ring with Skidder Akbar. And he goes, nobody manages the Samoans but me. And they instantly <laughs> cut to the ring. And there's Reeser. And now the next event, it was the greatest cut. It was just, it went right from that desk to Reeser Mountain in the ring. And the best is when Lad gets in, you hear Reeser going, and I believe this. I don't believe he was smart enough at all. He goes, I don't know what's going on. Because <laughs> even he has no idea. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Like, wait a minute. Nobody represents them Samoas but me. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> we know, Reeser. And uh, we don't get the tag title match, obviously, right now, because they do this angle. Uh, we'll get it later on in the show, but they go to commercial at this point. So we're going to come at a commercial. And like you previously mentioned, Mike, we do have a little audio of Bill Watts giving an update. This is the first update on the condition of Ernie Ladd right after the commercial break. So let's listen to this real quick. And Boyd Pierce, when Ernie Ladd left, he was being helped, actually bodily carried by five men and Grizzly Smith wisely had him taken back to the shower area and not back to the dressing room area because what dressing room would you take him to until Grizzly finds out exactly what's going on here but apparently I, I thought Ernie Ladd was about to pull another one of his famous chess moves or one of his famous mental moves here that Akbar has just added to the Samoan contingent but apparently there's a real tough situation there and Ernie Ladd's the one that's caught up into it the Samoans and uh, blamed him on all their losses and Akbar has uh, capitalized on it and has come off with the biggest coup ever and taken uh, their contract over. We apparently won't have the Mid-South Tag Team title match we had scheduled. We'll go right in order of our standby matches, and the first match is in the ring right now. So let's go to the ring, and maybe we'll find out more of what has caused all this as the show progresses. Like we always talk about, Watts with the perfect explanation. <laughs> Just They don't know. Like, it's not something you're even necessarily thinking about. Like, Oh, where are they going to take him? It may take you a little while to really worry about that part of it. But Watts doesn't even give you a chance to. They don't know where to take him. They took him to the showers because they don't have to figure things out. And it's it's so brief a comment, yet it's brilliant in a lot of ways because it's a detail that they wouldn't give you today and that you didn't necessarily need unless you really thought about it. But you have it. Yeah. I mean, he did it all less than like 60 seconds, too. But the the, the part about that. That's so true is you're not going to get anything like that today because simply everybody's coming out from the big old uh, Titan Tron or it's not even called a Titan Tron anymore. It's it's a big old, you know, one entrance and everybody knows where everybody is at back there. But in this instance, you're right. Watts gives you that little small detail, wraps it up in less than a minute. And there's still some mystery there as to not only, you know, we know we know lag got hurt, but what what now? Where are we going next? That's not answered, so it kind of it leaves the intrigue there where you're gonna want to keep watching, and you you know the hook's set, and you're 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 steadily, you know, you take the you take the bait, and you're gonna go with it now. And the next match is the North American Champion Ted DiBiase versus Ron Cheatham, with Jack Howe as the referee. We will not leave you in suspense. DiBiase wins via figure four, but there is a little bit of audio I want to play, and it goes back to this overall discussion of what Watts is saying here, Mike, and it's from during this match. It's Watts talking about why he interrupted that interview, what was going on. And again, a little extra detail into the angle, because the angle was a little different than what you would see on Mid-South TV. Usually you didn't see guys just at the desk yelling at Boyd, and then you didn't see Bill Watts interfere, and then you didn't see it go from there right to the ring. It's a little different than usual. So listen to Watts' explanation here. I knew something out of the ordinary and unusual was happening when you broke in on the interview with Ernie Ladner, but you're right in the middle of it, and you never do that. And when you pointed out Akbar was in there and, I, and looking at the eyes of Ernie Ladner looking right straight at me in the interview, I couldn't believe the look in Ernie Ladner. He couldn't believe well, it either. I didn't want to be duped again by Ernie Ladd because we all have been, and I was giving him all the room in the world to talk to you because you never know what he has up his sleeve. And I, I was coming out and kind of... Uh, just, I thought he had something up his sleeve, and so when I was talking about Akbar being in the ring with the uh, 
with the Samoans, I, I expected him then to reveal to us the reason. Because, you know, when he, he come out to holler about Dusty Rhodes and his contract, I just didn't know what it was unless Ernie was really uh, sincerely upset that Dusty Rhodes got so much recognition. And, of course, knowing the feeling between him and Dusty, that makes a lot of sense. But, I, again, I thought it was a ploy or subterfuge, Boyd. But apparently it wasn't, and uh, Ernie Ladd was badly hurt and was carried from the arena. And of course, getting back to the action, it has to go on. This is the first in standby matches. Again, just explanations that are so logical, it's amazing. Yeah, what? Again, you know, we're beating a drum here, but Watts was just good like that, man. And you know, he just he he ties it all up. He puts it together for you. That way, you know what's going on. You know where where it may be going. You know, he, uh, Boyd Pierce right there, even doing his job. You know, hey, I knew I I knew Cowboy when you, when you walked out. I I knew something was going on. It's just the little things like that that just help sell it and make it make more sense, and that the audience at home is. Yeah, I I don't like to say this all the time, but it's true. Like you're not insulted as a viewer. I mean, you're 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 like, okay, yeah, it makes sense. Let's uh let's keep watching and see what happens next. Now that they're they're telling the story right, exactly. And uh, you know, it also doesn't hurt if they're doing it in the middle of what is actually just one of the standby matches. DiBiase, even though he's a North American champ, him versus Ron Cheatham is just one, is just one of the listed standby matches because that's why they put the tag title match early in the program, even though it didn't happen. In case the tag match doesn't go the remainder of the show, you have all these other matches that are standby matches, and this is one of them, so it doesn't take anything away to have Watson Boyd discussing the big angle, the big angle of the show, but just a big angle happening right now. Yeah, I, I agree there. It it. it... You know, it's it's perfect placement if you think about it from a TV standpoint. Because I mean, Cheatham's not going to beat DiBiase. I mean, we we both know that. And the audience at home pretty much knows that. So you got this situation where it allows them time to catch their breath and explain where things are going. At the same time, DiBiase, you know, I, I believe he puts the figure four on and gets the win right here, and that that allows us to even further develop and talk about what's going to happen next. Am I right, Brian? You are right, and remember how we just said a couple minutes ago how rare it was for someone to come over to the desk and have Bill Watts interfere also? Well, it happens again. One of the good things is you get a really good shot at the desk. You see there is a red phone, right? The bat phone. There's a red phone right next to the ring bell. I don't know who's going to be calling on this phone, but it is there. And once again, someone comes out. This time it is Skandar Akbar. So we saw the angle. It was talked about during the next match. Here's the next part of the angle, and here's what Skander Akbar has to say. The altercation that happened between Ernie Ladd and the general was strictly personal. But a contract is a contract. And I'm demanding right here on television the Mid-South Tag Team Championship be right here on television next. And Mid-South cannot back out because I am now sole financial advisor, manager, or whatever you want to say, to the Samoans, and I'm demanding, I'm not asking, I'm demanding next right here on Mid-South Television that the Mid-South Tag Team Championship be on the line. And I'm telling you, same as I told Ernie Ladd, I'm the commentator and the host, you'll have to see matchmaker Grizzly Smith about a title match or any kind Get of Get Grizzly match. Smith for me. Oh, just a minute, I'd like to ask you though, who was, who was the next man that came in the ring, the big huge man, who was he? Never mind. Never mind. I'll disclose that at a, at a future date. It's none of your business, Watts. You stay out of it. You'll get Grizzly Smith over here. Whatever. I want this match. I want it. You talk to Grizzly Smith, and we'll be back right after this word from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I love Akbar. Akbar, he's so good. You know, he comes out right there. He wants a Mid-South tag title match. Boyd Pierce does this whole thing. That's not my job. You know, you don't stay away from me. Don't talk to me about that. You need to see the matchmaker. And, and then you got Watts intervening. Watts still has it on his mind. Who the heck was this big guy? You know, we don't have any semblance, semblance at this point that it's one man gang. Uh, we have no clue. I mean, I had no clue who this man was. I mean, and no one did. I mean, unless you had just moved from ICW territory or, or were a tape trader this early in the, in the game, you would have no clue who one man gang is in his territory. So, you know, we got so much going on here with Akbar wanting to match for the tag titles. And then Watts 
asking about who One Man Gang is. Akbar, that doesn't concern you right now, Watts. You mind your business. I just loved it. I mean, because Akbar, as a heel manager, to sell to tell that to Big Bill Watts, Cowboy Bill Watts, the rough, tough cowboy, it doesn't concern you. It's none of your business, Watts. Mind your own business. It's just so much going on right there that was that would excite me and excite a viewer as Akbar is a heel. It's like, okay, all right, well, what's going to happen next? Are we going to get the match? And I think we're going to find that out shortly. Well, we do get the match next. It is the Samoans, now managed by General Skandar Akbar, against the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions, the Junkyard Dog, and Mike George. And it's actually a really good match. The fans are really into it. Uh, Watts coughs right before they go to the ring. You actually get to see him turn and cough away from the microphone. But um, <laughs> as we get uh, talking about this match, and uh, the referee is Alfred Neely, uh, there's a little bit of audio here, Mike. It is Bill Watts with uh, some wonderings about what Skandar Akbar could be up to. It's been wild and woolly here tonight, and the match wasn't even in the ring. Uh, Ernie Ladd was carried out, and uh, with definite some kind of damage to the knees. You've got a new manager in control of the Samoan Warriors. If anybody controls the Samoan Warriors, I'm beginning to really doubt that the manager does much more than represent them in the contractual agreements. I think these men definitely have their own beliefs and do as they please. But Skandar Akbar is out there, which again makes me wonder if he had that ace up his sleeve, knowing the uh, toughness of the heart of Ernie Ladd, like him or not, that he had that ace up his sleeve to make sure that Ernie Ladd didn't stop his plans. What ace does he have up his sleeve for the Junkyard Dog and Mike George? This, this is what I'm sure has everybody at home and everybody here concerned, and myself, because the dog and, and, and Mike George were definitely keyed up and ready to meet Alpha and Sika and knew uh, what to expect from Ernie Ladd. But I don't know that you ever know what to expect from Skandar Akbar. I thought possibly we'd seen the last of him when two weeks ago his... Sheik from Iran was recalled by the Khomeini and then Akbar didn't even show up last week and then all of a sudden he comes out of the woodwork and uh, in a big way we'll just have to see what happens it's toe-to-toe Sika and the Junkyard Dog and it is toe-to-toe it's a really good match fans are really into it main event caliber the dog is just jacked I mean that's one of the things you and I were talking about off the air here is just if you've only seen the Junkyard Dog in the WWF or WCW or, God forbid, on an independent show in the 90s, if you never saw him in Mid-South before 1983, you have to see just how muscular he is and just how jacked he is. And this is the Junkyard Dog that got over. And pretty quickly, you know, by the time you get to the end of 83, he's gained a lot of weight, but he's just at his peak here in terms of appearance. He's at his peak in terms of appearance and... I'm going to say something and people are going to think I'm nuts. I think during this time frame as well, if you want to use the term worker, wrestler, I think JYD was a lot better than people give him credit for during this time period. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't his strong point. I understand. He was very charismatic and he was really good in that respect. But JYD was was a better wrestler around this time and not not that he lost anything WWF days. It's just that he just had a totally different look, and it just he was more. I don't even know how to break it down. He 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 had a different look, and and he just plus you didn't have to work as know. hard in the WWF. No, I, I guess that's what it was. And I'm not yeah. saying the guys didn't work hard, but he didn't have to go out there and worry about having a really good hard hitting match every night like he did working for Bill Watts. When you're working a house show and some agent just files a report with the office. He just has to have a junkyard dog match. He just has, he just has to continue to sell LJN right. figures. It doesn't really right. matter. Watts was going to make him work. Watts was going to make him work hard. And that's, right. that's one of the big differences too even after the appearance change. Right. He so he was and that, I guess that's I'm glad you said it like that because around this time frame he's really he's really good. I mean it it, it this is when you want to talk about why he should be in like a wrestling observer hall of fame and whatnot. You got to look at 82, 83 and, and the stuff he ends up doing and, and how great he was just all the way around, man. Uh, it's it's just J. Rod at his finest. This match, to go on what you were saying, uh, the crowd 
they're con- I mean, if you're listening to them right now from that soundbite, they're a little quiet, but we're going to hear in a second. They're really going to get into it when it, when it starts hitting the fan. And I think we got I think we might have a soundbite from the close of it, but it really gets good. You know, Akbar comes in and he attempts to hit JYD uh, or no, JYD's got a, got a chair and he's trying to fend off Akbar and then uh, Akbar throws some fire at him. But uh, it, it, it really, it really heats up as we, we get to the end of this thing. As we look at this now, as we join uh, this match in progress, and boy, do I feel like a wrestling announcer saying that, the referee, Alfred Neely, is on the ground. So is Mike George. JYD is attempting to, uh, he had just slammed one of the Samoans, and now here comes one of the other Samoans with a chair, and we'll take it from here. Alpha's got the steel chair. The dog took it away from him, and the dog knows how to use it. (laughs) There's Akbar circling around. The flame, the fire, but the dog blocked it with a chair. The dog blocked it with a chair. The General Akbar didn't get to. The dog blocked the other Samoan out of the ring. Karate by Afa. It's Mike George trying to come back in to help his partner. That steel chair is laying in the ring. And Afa's got to go. Oh, he grabbed Mike George on the small of the back. Right on that steel chair. Of course, Ralph Neely has no way of knowing how that chair got there. He just got to call the fall, and he counts down Mike George. Awards the victory. He awards the victory to Ivan Seeker. Ivan Seeker, the new Mid-South Tag Team Champions, Boyd Pierce. Under the managership of General Scott Norakbar. Look at him now. The belt's being awarded to him. Ivan Seeker, the Samoan Warriors. We have new champions of the Mid-South Tag, and we'll be back. With more action when we continue right after this message. JYD kneeling over his downed partner, Mike George, who took a Samoan drop onto the steel chair. And that's it. The Samoans, once again, Mid-South Tag Team Champions. Previously, they were managed by Ernie Ladd. But now, under the leadership of General Skandar Akbar. How good, I want to ask you this is on this, how good was Watts' call on the Samoan drop with Mike George onto the chair and explaining as it happened, like how painful that must've felt to Mike George. Did you catch all that? Yeah, I did. And it was great. And if you you actually get to see it too, you really get to see, he did a good job of like writhing in pain, not just like, not just taking the bump and just laying there like he's dead, but selling it like that really messed up his back. And the other thing is I love the way Watts and Boyd both, I hate to use the word pop because it's not a traditional pop, but you'll know what I mean. They pop when Akbar throws the fire and and the yes. dog blocks it with a chair, you know, because they're not expecting fire. So that's a big deal. And they both, <laughs> because they're not always screaming, when they do scream, it's like, holy shit, something's really happening. Right. So it means something. And and I've always said this. I say it all the time on Booking the Territory. Doc and I preach it. Wrestling was better when they threw fireballs at people from time to time. I just just my personal opinion back in the territory days. But it was awesome because Akbar is like circling him like a dog. It's it's or a wolf or something. And then he tries to hit him with the fire, but JYD blocks it with the chair. I don't know if I've seen many uh, fireballs blocked with a chair in my day. Maybe you, I mean you've seen a lot more wrestling than me, well versed in more territories. Well versed in fireballs, though. I mean, well, that's true. <laughs> but, uh, well, I mean um, more. I mean fireballs obviously have been used throughout Southern territories. I guess is where I'm going. But JYD blocks it with the chair. But it was it was a it was false hope because eventually. Mike George is Samoan dropped onto the chair and we've got new Mid-South Tag Team Champions. The belts change hands on free TV on a Saturday afternoon in New Orleans as I watch this. They did. And the next match here is Bob Roop defeating Frank Monty with a shoulder breaker. There's nothing else to say about it. They announced <laughs> during the match that Ernie Ladd has been taken to the hospital. Uh, Frank Monty is like the brownest wrestler I've ever seen. And before people listening, like, oh, what a racist thing to say. He's not black. But he has like brown hair and a brown mustache and a brown jacket and brown tights. It's right. Just, it's just he's like brown. Like you can't get really yes. behind a wrestler who's all brown. It's a very he's got a it, like his uh his attire and and look is dull is the best way to describe it. You don't. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very just. It's like 
it's like uh, monotone if there was a way to describe it. He's just there and he's he's looking very everything's brown and he's got the perm going and you're right. I can't explain it any other way. When did he stop? That's what I want to know. This is 82. When did he say, "Okay, it's time for a haircut. The mustache has got to go." Uh, when like, what what was the breaking point of Frank Monty? Ah, uh, you got me there, Brian. I don't remember. I remember him sticking around for a little while, but uh, it's been a long time since I've watched these and remember when he, when he, when he, when it went. Well, after the uh, Bob Frank Monty squash match, Paul Orndorff has a non-title match, which is interesting that they make this non-title with Mr. Olympia, the Mississippi State Champion. He defeated Bob Orton a few weeks back with this, and. Mr. Olympia has kind of quietly been getting a push on these shows. He won the Mississippi State Championship, but you would say that's not really a quiet push, but he's been winning. And this match really shows what Bill Watts and what Mid-South Wrestling was planning for Mr. Olympia. Yes. This, let me tell you, you, you talk about a quiet push. It, it really was because he beat Bob Orton Jr., didn't he, for the title? Yes. And yes. if you can remember... Either the week before that or two weeks before that, Orton Jr. had taken like two pinfalls in a row before he even lost the title. Uh, granted, I, I believe those were in in tag matches, but still, or, or even a match he wasn't even involved in, he took a pin, which is weird. But yeah, so it's non-title. And you're right, Olympia starts to get the push here. And the thing about this match, this match kind of embodies Mid-South Wrestling to me. You know, you, you, you just old school, two stars, you know, they're, they're not, you know, flipping and super kicking every two seconds. Lots of punching and kicking, but they're making everything look good and tight. And just a hard-hitting matchup between two two pretty good stars and lots of back and forth between these two in this match is what I call it. You know, one of the interesting things Watts points out, and I actually don't remember if it was this match or another match, but it's just the idea, and it was briefly mentioned earlier about the idea that Grizzly Smith is uh, giving title matches away on TV, but we've had title changes on TV. Of course, Mr. Olympia winning the Mississippi State title. Of course, DiBiase and Orndorff, you know, quickly trading the title back and forth on the same episode in the same match, as we've uh, talked about previously. And, of course, the tag title match happened a little earlier tonight with the Samoans winning the tag title. And they used that to build up that next week, it's the dog versus Bob Roop for the Louisiana State title. What does it mean? All the titles have been changing hands. And, again, an interesting thing to throw out there to just make sure the fans realize, you know, it can go either way, but it, it puts a little bit of a seed there that something could happen. But, like you said, this is a great match, back and forth, a real a good example of, of Mid-South wrestling. And I know what you mean when you said that. It's really, Orndorff is just so physical in everything he does, from locking up to just every move he does, he's totally invested in. Right. It's like the like you can feel when you watch a match like this with these two, you feel the intensity of it. Like it doesn't you, you, you watch wrestling sometimes and it's like, yeah, it's just two guys, you know, going through emotions. No, not this match. You know, Orndorff is intense. He 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 puts it. He, he just looks so physical. And then you got a guy, Mr. Olympia, who's built really well. You know, tough guy. Remember when we first saw him, he was he had a, a, a calf that was purple because it had been messed up in a, in a previous match or, you know, a couple nights before, but he's out there wrestling. So you just got wooden bodies mid-south wrestling right here with these two guys. And, and I mean, even when it goes to the finish, man, uh, it, this thing doesn't, this thing doesn't end easy. I mean, Ordor fights the sleeper for a long time. And boy, Pierce even says he fought it till the end. But in the end, Olympia gets the win. The funny part about this, you know, you talked about titles. It's a non-title match, but the champion still wins. So I kind of, I, I don't mind the non-title match if a champ wins. What I don't like about wrestling a lot of times, and we've seen this in the present-day environment more or less, you get these non-title matches, and it's like a signal to say that the champ's going to lose. Not, not that didn't happen here, though. A non-title match, but the champ still won, and he won with his finisher. The fact that he put down the former North American champion Paul Orndorff with the sleeper, and that Orndorff cleanly, the referee raised his hand three times, that Orndorff cleanly lost, is really impressive. Yes, and I agree. It Olympia's, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Orndorff's putting them over. Orndorff's getting, helping get Olympia to that next level. So uh, this is a big match, you know, for Mid-South TV, even though it's kind of one of the standby matches. Orndorff doing a job to Mr. Olympia here is uh, pretty significant. 
Yeah, you you have to appreciate this. I mean, if, in, if for people who are just listening and maybe not watching along with us, I, if you, if you have the network, I'd give this one a watch because it, it really does. It encapsulates what Mid South Wrestling is about with these two guys. One of the things Watts does here is talk a little bit about the match that happened a few weeks back, Orndorff versus DiBiase. So let's uh, let's hear him put over that match like we're putting over this one. Paul Orndorff about him when he comes in the ring with that number one up, he said that signifies that he's the world's greatest athlete, whether it's wrestling or whatever the sport. Well, I'll tell you, like him a lot. He can certainly back up a lot of it. I'll guarantee you the crowd starts rumbling when he goes in because they know one thing. It's going to be nonstop action. I watched back on a home television recorder that match of Ted DiBiase and Paul Orndorff some two weeks ago for the North American title. The match, actually, that was a match that had a new champion, but the new champion lost it in 30 seconds because of the unusual stipulation that was in there where disqualifications counted as a ball and and, I, and they went 16 minutes and I was watching a, that match at my, at my home after playing racquetball with Tommy Evans who was a two-time NCAA champion and twice outstanding uh, man in the tournament and was on two United States Olympic teams a great great amateur former uh, coach at the University of Oklahoma when I was down there and when the present coach Stan Abel's down there and was a teammate of Danny Hodges and Tommy Evans just sat there and shook his head, and he said, these guys went 16 minutes of nonstop action. At, at their size, he said, what tremendous condition, what action it is. And this is just what happens when you have these great athletes. And this Mr. Olympian and Paul Orndorff has started off at that same breakneck pace. Yeah, I mean, Watts is putting – look, he puts over the match from a few weeks ago with DiBiase and Orndorff, you know, wrestling for the title. He's also, you know, putting over – the finely conditioned athletes. And look, let me tell you something, man. You got to have a gas tank to be a pro wrestler. It is very taxing on you, not only as far as the brutality of it, but to run ropes, drop down, take bumps. It's, it's not, it's not for the faint of heart, but you got to have a gas tank and, you know, Watts is putting that all over here. I mean, he he's making sure you understand, you know, these guys are tough. These guys are out there, and they're going to work their tail off, and they're going to do a good job uh, in this, not only this match, but just in general. That's right. And like we said, Mr. Olympia wins with a sleeper hold, and now we have the final standby match. <laughs> and it's like a combination of everything I've not liked in Mid-South Wrestling so far. Ed Wiskowski versus Brian Blair. Well, let me say this, Brian. We start the match with about three and a half minutes left in the show. And uh, I immediately thought to myself when I was <laughs> watching this and taking notes for us, I go, man, Brian Last is probably watching this going, do I really have to take notes on this match? <laughs> because I know what you've said about Ed Wiskowski. No, no disrespect to him, but his running mid-south. And, of course, what you've thought about Brian Blair. We started with three and a half minutes to go, though. Uh, Watts, uh, Watts starts in again with uh, getting paid to win and not just punishing a man. And Watts feels like Wiskowski's game plan might not be a good one. Uh I'm sure you were very excited listening to that last bit of audio, Brian, but I'll I'll let you chime in at this point. No, I, I enjoyed that. I like Watts' philosophies about why wrestlers are motivated to do what they do. It, it makes sense, and it's something I wish more commentators focused on. And actually, let's listen in on Watts discussing that as we close up this episode of Mid-South Wrestling. I, I sometimes wonder about the logic, because I think at that point, Brian Blair was definitely an uh, appending situation where Wiskowski could have held him down for three seconds. There's only two minutes of airtime remaining. And Wiskowski's going into trying to punish him. And he's effectively punishing him, but is he accomplishing his main goal? That's winning the match. Because, uh, you know, you can... You don't get paid anymore for extra bruises. You don't get paid anymore for extra time. You get paid to win. And uh, he may be with his... Uh, you know, sometimes I think these guys' game plans go off a little hack-cocked when they don't capitalize on that on that victory. Skowski's showing some... He's got a varied uh, attack there. He's showing some wrestling ability, too. But uh, let's see if, uh, if what happens there doesn't come back to haunt him and that when he had Brian Blair ready to put away for the three count... One minute left, Boyd One Pierce. minute coming around. Now look what Brian Blair... Brian Blair is... He's got his air, and he's fighting himself, himself back up to 
to even, and, and now he's exact, he's going on the attack. At that point, that first step he took forward, he is now initiating the attack, and Ed Wyskowski's in some trouble. Okay, so I and Bill Ash waiting to go on the next match, but the way it looks now, Ed Wyskowski and Brian Blair will really have to hustle and put on a, a fatal final flash to gain a victory, or we'll not even see the finish of this one. 30 next, seconds. Next week, we've got the Junkyard Dog defending the Louisiana title against Bob Roop. And remember, the three, three, uh, the last three title matches here on Mid-South have, have resulted in a new champion. And That's, Bob Roop is previous owner of that uh, Louisiana title, so he'll be ready. Our time is gone for Bill Watts, who did another tremendous job as our guest commentator. This is Boyd Pierce saying goodbye, everybody, from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. Well, there it is. Another episode of Mid-South Wrestling in the books. And this is a good one. Yeah, this was a real good one. I mean, we had the debut of, we don't know his name particularly right now, but we had the debut of the one-man gang. We saw the tag team belts change hands. You know, we saw Ernie Ladd get injured. We saw Mr. Olympia versus Paul Orndorff, non-title match, but still a really, really good match. Lots of things happening in this episode that are setting things in motion for the weeks to come. Indeed, they are setting up things to happen in the weeks to come. Again, Dick Murdoch, not even seen for a little while. And again, he returned, uh, as we saw at the beginning of January. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the next uh, next few weeks, man, um, in year for that matter. I mean, we had a discussion about this earlier on before we started recording, man. It's, just, it's a shame we don't have unlimited hours in our days, Brian, because, I mean, I could, re- I could really binge watch this and do a lot of these uh, if I had the time. But uh, – and I don't mean more – I don't mean uh, – I don't mean I don't mean we don't do enough. What I'm saying is it's a it's a it's a shame I don't have enough time to go through 82, 83, and 84 within like the next two months is what I'm saying because it really heats up. So we got a lot more to come in 82, and we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Uh, that said, Brian, why don't you uh, why don't you tell the people where to find you and and whatnot on social media and what's going on with uh in the 605 world these days. You can follow me on Twitter at Great Brian Last. You can follow the 605 Super Podcast on Twitter at 605pod. You can follow the Super Podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash superpodcast. And to get 605 Super Podcast merchandise, you can go directly to our online store, tinyurl.com slash superpod store for t-shirts of all sorts, including polo shirts, as well as stickers, magnets, and much, much more. The 605 Super Podcast. And of course, please support the other shows that are a part of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. And you can find me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. You can follow Booking the Territory at BTT underscore podcast. You can also find us at tinyurl.com slash BTT pod. We drop two shows a week on every single Thursday and Sunday nights at 6 p.m. Central Time. I'm sorry, 7 p.m. Central Time. The shows are up. One of them is mostly dedicated on Thursdays to the NWA, WCW, Saturday night shows from the mid-80s. And then you can find us on Sundays doing the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Recaps. A very good promotion that is highly underrated by people who just don't realize it. Uh, But other than that, um, Brian, you got anything else before we get out of here? I think that's it for this week. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!